Welcome to the Soft Life with Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies is the antidote to mental health stigma, and this podcast is hosted by yours truly, Priscilla O. Adjman. We are a virtual sanctuary centering Black and multiracial people, and we prioritize the mental and emotional nourishment that is the foundation of collective healing in our communities. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, baddies, to the Soft Life. I'm so happy to be back. I missed y'all so much, especially since we did not drop an episode yesterday. We are sharing a brand new episode today, and we also have a very special bonus episode for you tomorrow. So if you're not signed up for our newsletter, definitely sign up because we have a brand new bonus episode for you with a very special guest, and I think you guys will definitely enjoy it. So The link will be in our show notes to sign up for our newsletter, or you can just go to our website, sadiebaddies.com, if you want to beat us to it. So last week, we talked about healing the inner child and healing your inner teen, and a lot of you resonated with it, especially those of you who are on a healing journey and want to start healing your inner child, or you don't even know what healing your inner child or teen looks like. And this episode is also for you if you've been feeling disconnected or unfamiliar with the younger version of yourself and you want to reconnect and develop a healthy relationship with your inner child. And this episode is also perfect for you if you love affirmations and journal prompts and exercises and actual tangible, actionable items that can help you with your healing journey. So Last week, we shared our journal prompts through our newsletter exclusively. We did not share it anywhere else. So again, if you're not signed up on our mailing list, this is where you're going to get exclusive content from the podcast, from Sadie Baddies. So definitely sign up so that you can get more of these gems in your inbox. So this week's episode is a very, very juicy one. I know I say that every week, but truly this episode is very it's is relatable in so many ways and this week's focus is about creative integrity comparison and clout chasing so when we talk about artistic or creative integrity there are different definitions of it you know artistic integrity sometimes is defined as how an artist or a creative person maintains the original inspiration of the work of art that they're doing. So for example, if you're a fashion designer and you're pulling inspiration from a certain catalog or a certain archive or uh, a period in time, your integrity as an artist is to maintain and uphold that source of inspiration throughout your expression or throughout your work. However, creative integrity is a little bit different And we really, really, really love this definition from our friends over at Jala Studios, aka the founder of Jala Studios is Mariama Jala, who is a dear friend of mine, and her work is amazing. It is so impactful. It's inspiring. And she has a wonderful post that she created on Jala Studios about creative integrity. So let's talk about creative integrity and The definition that Jalo Studios uses for creative integrity is when inspiration turns into plagiarism. So inspiration, as they define it, is the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially something creative. And plagiarism is is defined as the practice of taking someone else's work or ideas and passing them off as your own. 
I love this post from Jala Studios for so many reasons, but mainly because it really breaks down this phenomenon that happens a lot among creative people, both online and offline. And I think they did a perfect job of depicting and breaking down the difference between inspiration and plagiarism and how to maintain your creative integrity as a creative person. And I know a lot of you listening may or may not be creative people, but like I've said before on the podcast, and I say this all the time, everybody is creative in some way, shape, or form. We all just have different ways of expressing it. So I think this episode will inform you, even if you're not someone who is a full-time creative, or maybe you're not necessarily a creative entrepreneur, if you are somebody that does anything creative and you have a creative network or you have work that you share with other people this this episode is for you so we've seen content been that's been repackaged appropriated and straight up stolen especially on social media i've seen this all the time you've probably seen this all the time where one creative comes up with a really dope or interesting concept and someone completely rips it off does not credit them that person lacks creative integrity. Um, There is a page on Instagram and throughout social media called Diet Prada, which a lot of you might have heard of. And Diet Prada covers a lot of these issues, especially in fashion, because this happens a lot in the fashion industry. But honestly, any quick search on Google or Twitter or TikTok will show you how many other examples there are in pop culture and social media of creatives stealing from each other or one creative stealing from another. This happens a lot throughout different communities and different individuals, but this happens tremendously, and I would say exponentially among Black creatives. This happens a lot to Black creatives, and this happens with Black creatives. Sometimes it's within our own network too. So by that, I mean sometimes it's other black creatives or creatives of color taking from each other and not giving credit where credit is due. I know firsthand that I have even had my ideas, my words, my concepts that I've written and have originated plagiarized. And a lot of times it's from people that look like me, unfortunately. And I used to get very hung up about this and very angry. And, you know, at times I still, it does does bother me. However, I have learned that when you have something that is worth sharing and that's impactful and influential, people will digest it whether they give you credit or not. So if you're someone that has done something that's really special or you have created something that is unique and people are excited about it and and want to learn more about it or engaged with it, there is a slight chance that sometimes your ideas will be quote-unquote borrowed from other people. It doesn't make it okay for other people to take your concepts, and especially if they're not giving you credit, but this unfortunately does happen to a lot of creatives, and I almost want to say it's it's an expectation at this point. Um, I don't, again, think it it makes it okay, but one thing I know is that my creativity is a God-given gift, and my creativity is limitless. I have limitless creative ideas, and also... That's why it's important to trademark your business. (laughs) So when you have ideas that you want to protect and 
make sure that they are yours, then it's always a good idea to trademark your business. It's always a good to, or your business name. It's always a good idea to copyright your work. It's always a, a good idea to patent, especially if you're somebody that's creating physical inventions, patent, having a patent for your ideas is major. We'll get into that probably another episode when we have someone who's who's an expert on these types of um steps that creatives can take to protect themselves and their businesses. But for now, let's talk about creative integrity a little bit more. So I've always said that art is supposed to inspire and impact you and make you think differently about the world. So when we go to a museum or we watch a movie, we listen to an album, art is supposed to make you feel something. It's supposed to give you insight into the creator's world or their mind or their experiences. And that's why it's so, it's art and creativity can be, can be these very fluid concepts, but let's not be mistaken with the fluidity of creativity as it being just absolutely up for grabs for anyone to take and borrow and repackage. If you're lucky enough to credit and know your source of inspiration, why wouldn't you want to credit that source of inspiration? Acknowledging your sources of inspiration is just as important as sharing them and sharing your work because it doesn't take away anything from your art when you credit the source of your inspiration. For example, if you are somebody that loves to write poetry and you're inspired by Toni Morrison or you're inspired by James Baldwin's writing or you are inspired by any creative or writer and you just decide to write a poem and take their words verbatim or take chunks of their work and just act as if it's your own baby that's plagiarism that's not that's not that's not paying um respects that's not an ode to anybody that is straight up plagiarism so if you know where your source of inspiration comes from then name it acknowledge it it takes away nothing in fact i would argue that when you name your inspiration, it actually solidifies that your work is thorough and it that your work is has a it has a source, it has its own life. And when you are able to name your inspiration, it allows other people to see where you are at and and, and think about where what kind of place you had to be at mentally in order to even pull from that inspiration. Because if you're somebody that's really, really into obscure, obscure um, sources of inspiration or you pull sources from all over the world or through traveling or, or anything, it allows people to say, wow, that's actually really cool. I didn't know that you source inspiration from this, you know, film or this documentary. And some of my favorite creatives I love that they don't put any limits to their sources of inspiration. Um, someone who I'm very inspired by is Solange Knowles. As if you know anything about me, you know that I love Solange. <laughs> and, and she inspires me so much as a Black woman. There's so many other Black women and people in general, not only Black women, but there are so many people that inspire me. But one thing that I love about Solange Knowles and her work is that it's so dynamic and she can take something as small as you know when she wrote cranes in the sky that was from her time i believe living in miami i believe it was or it might have been a different city don't quote me on that but she was living in another city at the time and there was a lot of construction going on 
where she was and she you know thought about all of the cranes that she was seeing and all of like this construction site and it really put her in a space of thinking about you know being in different places in your life and wanting to have you know maybe you have a vice that's helping you get through this hard time and it's not working and that's where cranes in the sky came out of so i love when creative people are able to take tiny bits of inspiration and really share their story their background story um i know for me that um whenever people ask me how i started sidey baddies or how i came up with the name or i came up with you know the brand and the business itself i always just say straight up i'm like listen when i was starting this 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 brand i didn't think of how it was going to be four years from now all i know is that all i knew is that i wanted to set an intention and my source of inspiration did come from seeing other black women create really amazing uh, pieces of work bodies of work and also community builders my inspiration comes from my family members who are very heavily rooted in community work and community service. My inspiration comes from my own experiences as someone who has struggled with their mental health throughout my adulthood in my my early 20s. So I think being able to just simply name where you are, what and how you're inspired is, is a major part of telling your story as a creative. Um, and as Erica Badu has said so eloquently, when you are an artist, you're sensitive, you're sensitive about your shit. And sometimes when people take from you and they don't acknowledge you, it hurts, it bothers you because you're like, wait, I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm not bugging. Um, this is definitely a concept that I came up with. And, you know, sometimes there is a, there is a chance that you might have a very similar idea as somebody else. I'm not saying that all ideas belong to one person. We know that's not true, obviously. But if you know that you've created something that's really, really unique and really dope and someone else just takes it and runs with it, it feels it feels like theft. It feels like somebody's taking something directly from you. And it that's because it's true. Art is art and creativity are deeply personal practices. And so for some people, it is their lifeline. It is a spiritual practice. It is a meditation. So especially when somebody creates out of pain, which as we know, a lot of art and creative things come out of pain. They come out of being at low points in our lives or they come out of being in a space of darkness. And I know, again, for me, that's where Sidey Baddies came out of. It came literally out of me being at a dead end job and sitting at my desk and being like, I need to do something creative. I want to do something that's meaningful in this world that goes beyond just what I'm doing at this nine to five. And that's why I started Sadie Baddies. So when you have something that's so personal that has forced you to create something out of it and now you have a creative outlet, when someone takes something away from you or doesn't acknowledge or credit it, it feels very painful and deeply personal. So again, I always encourage people to name your inspiration and don't be afraid if you are inspired. That doesn't make you any less creative. That doesn't make you any less original. What it does is shows you that you're thinking about things in a really dynamic and multifaceted perspective, which allows you to take other people's experiences or maybe what they've shared and it helps you to see how it affects you and how you can relate and incorporate some of those things into your life as well. 
Okay, now let's talk about comparison. So comparison is something that I think a lot of people struggle with in general. I mean, this can be comparison from seeing people on social media that don't look like you or do look like you or maybe have different life experiences than you. But comparison in general, especially for a creative person, can really stunt your growth. And I talked about this before, but I really think that comparison takes away from the uniqueness of what you're doing and what you're creating. I also think that you don't necessarily always need to be inserting yourself into other people's reality or what their perception is. For example, a lot of times what I see happen, especially on TikTok, um, as well as other platforms, but specifically on TikTok, I notice that people, you know, sometimes the people will share something that's personal or they'll, they'll share an experience that's personal to them. And then somebody will stitch the video and say like, well, that didn't happen to me. So that's not true. And this person has that and da, 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 da. And it's really one of those things that I'm like, wow, people really don't know how to not insert themselves. When you constantly insert yourselves in in other people's shared or lived experience, you're taking away the fact that that person has every right to share what they're going through and what is true to them. And I don't think comparison can always be, you know, maybe sometimes when you're comparing yourself, it motivates you to try something new or maybe there's somebody in your life who is doing something that's really dope and really inspiring and it makes you want to pursue that too but that's not necessarily comparison that's more being inspired or motivated um and I also think when it comes to your creative process everyone's creative process is so unique also I don't know who needs to hear this but an essential part of the creative process is that an inexperienced amateur ugly unfinished part two not just the polished show and tell version that is also part of the creative process you being an inexperienced you being a beginner is part of the creative process you don't have to always show people the parts that you are still working on if that's what you want to do you can share that of course but I truly believe that Part of the creative process and part of the learning curve of getting better and being better is to embrace the ugly side too. When I first started creating content on social media, and I mean, outside of me just having an Instagram, a personal Instagram, like truly creating content for Sadie Baddies and other platforms as well, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea like what to do. I didn't really have a guide on how to create infographics or how to create videos or how to create voiceovers. I didn't really know how to do any of it. And I was afraid of looking dumb. Sometimes I was afraid of looking inexperienced. And guess what? I got over it because if you don't get over the ugly part of your creative process, you're never going to grow. If you keep focusing on what somebody's step 10 is compared to your step one, you're never going to grow. If you keep comparing your, your, day one to somebody's year 10, you're never going to grow. So allowing yourself to be inexperienced, allowing yourself to be a beginner is what is part of the creative process. That's what builds 
grit as a creative. That's what inspires people as a creative person. I saw this video going around on, I think it was on TikTok the other day, but it was all these rappers in their first music video ever. And it was hilarious because you had Lil Yachty, ASAP Rocky, Lil Uzi, um, Playboy Cardi, a bunch of rappers in their first videos that they've ever put on the internet. And <laughs> all of them are definitely teenagers. They're all super young. They look like babies and they're not very good. Like to be completely honest, a lot of the, a lot of those videos were not, you probably wouldn't watch those videos today and be like, wow, that's a fire rapper or that, that rapper is going to be really successful. But guess what? All those people that I just named are multimillionaires now. All those people that I just named have collaborated with some of the best artists in the world or they themselves are some of the most notable artists in the world. And I think remembering that it's okay to be inexperienced. It's okay to be very unaware and, and not really fully know how to do something. And it's okay to be seen in those moments as well. If you are someone that prefers to have that stage of your life be less visible, that's okay. Do you. But just know that it's okay to not be perfect at something. And I'm talking to the recovering perfectionist right now. I'm talking to the creative who has so much work, has a probably a catalog of work, and has never shown anyone because they're afraid of being judged. What are you so afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that somebody's going to call you out? Are you going to are you afraid of someone judging you? Are you afraid of looking bad in front of your peers? And if so, why are you even creating in the first place? Is it to impress other people? Is it to show someone up? Is it to try to be better than someone or are you creating out of a source of true inspiration and true wanting to have a creative outlet? So that's just some food for thought. And I truly think that you need to learn how to be your own muse. I love the word muse so much so that I actually have a tattoo on my right hand. Um, if you know me or if you've seen me, you know that I have a tattoo in my right hand of the word muse. And I got that tattoo last year, last September. And it's something that I look at every single day, obviously, because it's on my hand. But I also got it because I, I'm i committed to having a cre be, to being a creative. It's not really something I have a choice of. I've always been a creative person since I was a child. And in a world that constantly wants you to share new content or new creativity or new art, I have to make sure that I'm also creating from an intentional place. I have to create from a place where I feel alignment. And to me, having a tattoo that um, says muse, and if you're not familiar, familiar with what a muse is, a muse is someone or a person, personified force, who is the source of inspiration for a creative artist. That to me is symbolism. And I love that. I am my own muse. I am somebody that I'm creating for myself at the end of the day. I think that what I do and what I share is really it's 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 me trying to express myself, but it's also it's a commitment to 
looking at how I can respond to some of the questions in life or some of the issues in life in a creative way and have a creative solution behind it. And I think being your own muse and being a source of inspiration for yourself is super important because again, like I said, if you're not creating for the right reasons, then why are you creating at all? And if you constantly let other people's ideas of you or other people's opinions stop you from pursuing your creative outlet, what what is the purpose of that? You're holding the you're holding back so much. Think about if Beyonce never picked up a mic. Think about if Frank Ocean never wrote that letter in 2012 on Tumblr. And if you know, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a true Frank Ocean stan like myself, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you if Frank Ocean never dropped Channel Orange or Ava DuVernay never wrote any of the amazing films that she wrote or Tracy Ellis Ross wasn't the dynamic person she is or Rihanna wasn't the bad bitch that she is and never decided to take a risk and leave her home country of Barbados and and start her career at the age of 16. If these people never took a chance, we would be missing so much art and so much culture from this world and that's just to name a couple of people think about all the people that you watch on tv think about the people that whose music you download every single day think about the art that's on your walls in your bedroom think about the architecture that's in your home think about the ceramic plates and cups that are in your kitchen think about the cars that are on the road literally everything is art everything is a creative expression of the human experience and looking at art and creativity as a as i said before as a deeply spiritual meditation as a practice as a commitment is so much deeper than just posting something on instagram and and you know wanting to get a few likes out of it and i think when you look at your work as unique and looking at it as special on, on its own, you value it so much more. So it removes so much room for comparison. And I'll be honest with you, when I compare myself or when I find myself comparing myself, I'm like, okay, that person's doing them, but nobody can do me better than me. Nobody can do me better than me. There's not a soul in this world who can out Priscilla Priscilla, okay? Because I am incredibly unique you are incredibly unique. My experiences might be shared by millions of people, but nobody will have the same way of doing exactly what I do, how I do it, period. So if you are somebody who who lets comparison get into the way of you creating, tell comparison to shut her mouth. <laughs> tell her to sit down in the corner and Put some tape on her mouth and drown out that noise that's telling you that you're not good enough. Tell, Drown out that noise that's telling you that your work and your creativity is not good enough. And as the quote says, this world does not move without creativity. This world does not move without Black creativity as well. This world does not move without multi-ethnic creativity, the creativity of people that have ancestral roots from all over the world. So when you look at your your creativity as a place where you actually, it's a testament to not just yourself, but the people that came before you, you'll take it a lot more seriously. You, you won't compare yourself as much when you start to look at your creative process as truly a practice of 
paying respects to the ones that came before you, but also respecting yourself and allowing yourself to take up space. So if you're worried about taking up space in the art world or I don't want to start a podcast, there's so many podcasts. I don't want to start a blog. I don't want to start a YouTube channel. Girl, if you don't start that YouTube channel and post your makeup tutorials and post your vlogs, somebody's going to watch it because guess what? You are not going to be able to reach every single person in the world. You know, believe it or not, there's people in the world who don't know who Bad Bunny is, which is crazy because, I mean, he's a global superstar. There's people in the world who don't know who Beyonce is. But guess what? You're going to reach the right people that are meant to hear you. You're going to reach the right people that are meant to resonate with what you do and who you are. So when you create intentionally and you don't create just because you want to be better than somebody else and it's not from a place of comparison but it's a it's from a place of authenticity there's going to be a big difference of how it's going to resonate with other people and i guarantee that and i think once you really focus on being relatable being vulnerable being open-minded being honest being authentic your work is going to speak for itself and people will probably look to you and look to your 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 creativity your and your creative outlets as something that inspires them as well so I say all that to say stop comparing yourself please because it's killing your creativity your comparison is killing your creativity and your fear of looking stupid is killing your creativity so now let's talk about clout chasing (laughs) when I added this in as something that I wanted to share, I couldn't help but laugh a little bit because I feel like clout chasing is something that's so particular, especially if you live in a major city like New York, um, where I live, or LA, or Miami, or Paris, or wherever in the world. Um, clout chasing is something, first of all, let's talk about what is clout chasing, right? Clout chasing is essentially the act of chasing after the aspiration of being hyper visible or being popular by certain people. So for example, if you're a clout chaser, you might go to certain events just so that people can see your outfit. You might go to certain events just to try to meet the most popular person in the room. If you're a a clout chaser, you might be somebody that only wears designer clothes, but does not have the financial stability to back up those choices, okay? (laughs) I'm not calling anybody out. All I'm saying is that clout chasing, if you're not careful, you can really start to get into a slippery slope. And I shared this the other day, but one thing that's very, very interesting and specific to New York City, I will say, and I'm sure this like this in other cities or wherever you are, um, but one thing about New York City as big as it seems, as even though there's 8 million people in the city, New York is also very, very small. When it comes to networking, it is very small. It's a small world. You never know who's connected to who. You never know who has history with each other creatively, professionally, socially. And my advice is always to keep it, keep it cute, stay kind, stay humble. Don't 
speak negatively about other people that are, you know, in your industry or in your circle, or if you do want to confide in someone that's different, if you're confiding to a friend and you're telling them something that happened, like, oh girl, guess what? I went to this event and da 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 That's different. But what I'm talking about is when you like outwardly express your distaste for somebody or something or even certain brands, you never know who's connected. Trust me, I have worked with multiple brands. I've worked with a lot of brands over the years and you would be surprised who's the founder of who. I've worked with the brand and I didn't realize that the founder of one brand was also the founder of a sponsor for another brand that I was working with. And so it just shows you everything is interconnected. And honestly, this happens all the time where I will talk to or meet somebody and or I'm being introduced to a brand or their community manager or whoever's representing the brand. And they'll say, oh, I met you through so-and-so or, oh, I followed you through here and I found you or, oh, I found this person and they mentioned your name. When you have a good reputation, you don't have to worry about that. Because one thing that I've learned is that when you have a good reputation, people will speak highly of you for you. There's been so many opportunities that I've had in my life and I'm very grateful. I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to my support system. I'm grateful to my family and and the people who really support and uplift this process. And I mean, honestly, just thinking about right now, like I finally have a team of people who are helping me. My man who is helping me with this podcast and supporting and really helping me to look at this from a different perspective, a different point of view, as well as my community manager, Angel, who has been tremendously helpful throughout this process. I think about the times where there's people who have met me or or who have reached out to me because someone else spoke highly of me or someone else vouched for me. And those people who can speak your name into a room full of opportunities, those are the people that you are honestly like those are those are some of the best people that you could have around you not everybody has that and so when you do have someone who can vouch for you and who can say oh I know a great I know a great DJ or I know a great florist I I know a great content creator for this those are the people that really actually are going to help you in your life and instead of clout chasing people that you just want to be seen with Try forming connections with people who truly want to see you win because those two things are not the same. (laughs) More often than not, they're not the same. In New York City, another thing I've noticed is that when you are somebody that is constantly wanting to chase, you know, clout and wanting to chase that recognition or that celebrity status, People can tell. It's very obvious. It's very, very obvious. You know, when you stay genuine and you stay authentic to who you are, that will almost always outweigh being a clout chaser, especially in a city where a lot of people know each other and a lot of people have worked in the same industries. And I think sometimes we chase clout because we think it's going to get us closer to our goals when in reality, you doing what you're doing already, but you just doing it better and perfecting your craft That's what's going to help you to get into those doors. That's what's going to help you to have opportunities open up for you. It's not about rubbing elbows or being in this picture or this event or being tagged in this photo that's going to help you. It's actually being a good person. And let me just say this. 
I know a lot of people, a lot of people, especially, you know, as, as someone who is a content creator, I've had people who have never ever spoken to me before, who have never interacted with my content. The minute I share a brand partnership or the minute I share something that's really exciting or what they would consider to be big news, there goes the DMs. There goes them sliding in my DMs. Hey girl. <laughs> it always starts with the hey girl. Hey girl, what's up? Da 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 da. And to me, it's just it it's like it's so obvious that you're being an opportunist because if you were genuinely being part of this space, genuinely being part of this community, you wouldn't wait for the moment that someone else is visible before you start to support them. And this happens all the time. This happens constantly. And I think people really need to hold each other accountable, hold themselves accountable and ask yourself, why am I asking this person for a favor? Why am I asking for this person to put me on when I've never supported this person, when I've never talked to them in my life? when I've never shared anything that they've done, especially on social media. Ask yourself that because what it really shows is that you're not being genuine, you're not being authentic. And if you really did truly wanna support this person, you would find more authentic ways to do it. You would find more ways that were sincere. So being a clout chaser is obviously very obvious. It's it, To me, it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's not... <laughs> it's not hard to point it out. Um, I also think that there's sometimes an obsession. There is an obsession with being perceived. Again, this is also a very specific thing in New York. I mean, y'all know this is definitely a thing in LA, but <laughs> in New York City, I think that people really have an obsession with being perceived being a certain way. And I have also shared this before that my focus is always to release that obsession with being perceived as the person you're attempting to develop into and instead focus on the tangible, actionable steps that will actually get you there. And taking back that validation that you're seeking from everyone around you and giving it back to yourself. Think about it. If you are always looking to be perceived as a certain way, if you focus more on your looks as a creative or you focus more on the aesthetics of being a creative or you are someone that just talks about being a creative without actually putting the work in to be somebody that has a reputation, a good reputation or has something that has helped other people or has connected or united other people in a positive way, it's like, why are you so focused, hyper-focused on that perception, you know? And and really thinking about that and thinking about that difference between internal and external validation. Because again, you have to validate yourself. You have to be the person to say, I am worthy. You have to be the person to love what you do and love what you create no matter how many likes you get. You know how many times I've created something? I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be so fire. People are really going to resonate with this. People are going to really engage with this. And it flops. <laughs> and guess what? I'm going to leave it up there anyway. Because somebody going to see it. Somebody's going to feel connected to this. And it doesn't matter to me personally. And I'm not saying I never get caught up in this because I do sometimes. I'm going to be completely honest with you. But 
I don't focus, hyper-focus, I would say. I don't hyper-focus on the visibility factor of what I share or what I create because, again, it's coming from an intentional place. It's coming from a sincere place. It's coming from a very personal place at that. So releasing that obsession, releasing that fixation on being perceived as being somebody who has everything together or who is perfect or is in all the right places at the right time with the right celebrities or influencers or clout chasers, whatever your thing is, or your word is, release that obsession, okay? Because that that really is not going to pay your bills. Okay? What's really going to pay your bills is putting in the work to be a creative person that produces work, period. If you hyper fixate on the visual aspect or the aesthetic aspect, you will get stuck there. Because if you hyper focus, for example, if you hyper focus on your on your branding for your business, but you don't actually put out any work, you're going to get stuck there. If you hyper focus on just the, the looks and how it appeals to certain people, in your perception, you're going to stay stuck there. And if you have recently read the incredible, well-written, well-researched article that was um, released on the cut by a writer named Tahira. And it was about Pierre Moss and how that brand slowly unfolded and how its origin story was of, you know, really high cultural impact and how kind of the current phase of it right now and essentially the, the downfall of the brand. I'm not saying anything negative about it. I'm not saying that there's no way that this cannot be revitalized or it couldn't have a comeback. I hope, I do hope that there's a comeback and that there is like a, a refresh. Because um, I think culturally for, for Black people, especially Black people in New York, it, it was a really huge cultural moment for us to see a Black man start this business from the ground up, from Brooklyn, from Flatbush. Um, and put so much heart and soul into it. But again, perception is not everything. Being in, being on the cover of certain magazines and, be, and having celebrities acknowledge or not acknowledge what you're doing and be in the front row of your fashion show, that's great. That's amazing. But guess what? That's not enough to, to have that legacy. And if you want to have a legacy at the end of the day, you have to do things intentionally and you also have to be strategic about stuff. And there's so much to learn when it comes to business. But again, hyper focusing on just the looks and the appeals of things without actually having a strategy behind it, without actually producing work, that is a slippery slope. So again, clout chasing is really... It's, it's something that can happen to a lot of people, but I think, again, I think it's one of those things that happen a lot to people who live in these cities and live in these like metropolitan areas where there's a lot of people doing a lot of the same things. I can't even tell you how many photographers I know or how many photographers I've met in the last 12 years of me living here or how many creative directors I've met or stylists or content creators. You know, when a lot of people are doing a lot of the same things, it can make you feel like you have to be the best. But the truth is, there is no best. There is not one person who is the best of the best of anything. 
because we're all unique and we all bring something different to the table. And I just want to also remind you that if you're somebody that is starting out and you don't have a lot of money, um, let me just tell you, I don't care. I want you to still do it. Do it scared. Do the thing you're doing. Do it broke. Do it in experience because I guarantee you as you keep building and building and pushing and pushing, it's only going to get better. Though the, I can't stress enough how when I first started this, this brand, I had absolutely like no experience whatsoever. I was a biology major and a public health. I had a master's degree in public health, zero experience with digital marketing, zero experience with content creation. I also had no resources. I didn't even have my own MacBook or laptop to work off of. <laughs> At the time, I was, believe it or not, I was actually using my like my 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 family friend's laptop to share the work that I was sharing for Sadie Baddies. And what I say, I, I mention that because sometimes we give ourselves excuses when it comes to why we can't create something. Oh, I don't have the right mic. I don't have the right. I don't have the right uh, software. I don't have the right laptop. It doesn't matter. Use what you can use. Start with something because like every example of, of somebody who we admire that's been on the come up, whether it's Meek Mill <laughs> <laughs> who, you know, started out with nothing, whether it's Drake, whether it's Ice Spice, who I love, whether it's Cardi B, SZA, whoever. Like, I remember I remember seeing SZA perform in 2012 at Trilectro, which is a, a, a small concert in D.C. I remember seeing her perform and she was so shy and she, it was her first, it was one of her first performances, her first live performances ever. And now SZA is double platinum from her last album. And she shares herself how she, her beginning years of being a creative were really difficult. And she had a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of self-doubt, but that didn't stop her from creating. And I don't know how many other examples that you need before you tell yourself, I don't need to have everything. I just need to have something. I need something to start with. And once you have that one thing that you start with, whether it's a mic, whether it's your pen and pencil, whether it's your sister's laptop, whether it's borrowing somebody's studio time, whatever the case is, start with something. Because when you start, it creates a momentum. It creates an energy and a fire for you to keep going. So some of my best ideas came when I had absolutely no resources. Some of my best ideas and my best concepts and my best work has come from when I had nothing. And I know I have such a long way to go when it comes to being a creative entrepreneur and when it comes to being a business owner. I have such a long way to go. I'm not even at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to how much work I have to put in in order to get to the destination that I visualize in my head every single day. However, I'm not going to stop until I get there because I know that this is my life's work. This is my life's purpose. And I'm going to keep going until I get there. And even after I get there, I'm going to help somebody else get there. So don't be afraid to do it. Wherever stage you are in life, just start somewhere and stop talking yourself out of it because one thing that chasing clout might get you in the right rooms, but being 
a per being being good at your own craft is what's gonna keep you going even after everybody around you leaves even after you stop getting invites to certain events or you stop getting recognition having a true intention behind what you're doing and why you're doing it is going to help you along the way so let's talk about some ways that we can negatively can impact our creativity so as I mentioned before, comparison, obviously that is one major way that we negatively affect our creativity and our creative process. Um, number two is not giving ourselves enough time or rushing the process. If you are someone, especially if you're in the arts, specifically music, painting, art, fashion, anything like that, what you're creating is probably going to take you a very long time. It's going to take you a long time create to create your best work. It's going to take you a very long time to create your masterpiece. So not giving yourself enough time to actually be in the process is one way to really um, negatively affect our creativity. And then also another way that we negatively impact our creativity is assuming that there is only one way to be creative or that only one person that gets to decide what is worth sharing. This kind of goes back into the comparison thing, but in a different light, this is really an idea that limits us in so many ways. There's not one way to be creative. And we know this because, I mean, think about all of the amazing inventions and technology and art and film and music and paintings that there are in the world. Think about all the museums that exist in the entire world. You can't tell me there's only one way to be creative. And only one person being able to decide or share what's worth sharing. Again, that's not true. It's bullshit because not one person in this entire world, even the biggest celebrity, the biggest mega superstar you could ever think of or the most famous inventor, there's other people that also do what they're doing. I guarantee you. So there's not only one way to do something and you don't have to be the only person to do something. Because the more people that actually create, it creates a ripple effect and that is what illuminates our world and makes it so much more of an interesting and dynamic experience for all of us. So let's talk about some ways that we can positively impact our creativity. Number one would be to look at everything around you as a source of inspiration. And I mean everything. And this also goes for when you're in your low moments. Think about, like I mentioned, some of um, our the best works or the creatives that we love and admire like have gone through such hard times. And that was their source of inspiration was looking around them and seeing, well, I want better for myself. I want to get out of the hood. I want to get out of this environment. I want to get out of this relationship. And they created something amazing. And I don't, I don't think that inspiration has any limits. So looking at every single thing around you as a source of inspiration is one way to really widen your creative perspective and invite other ideas to flow through. Another way to positively impact your creativity is to not, is to um, do absolutely nothing at all. <laughs> and this is, you know, reminds me of the quote that you've probably seen and we'll share again is, Creative people need time to sit around and do nothing. And I believe that is so true because the times that I have really just allowed myself to like just 
chill out, like chill the hell out and not do anything. No, no notion planning, no Google calendar, no whipping out Adobe or Canva or anything. Just just literally just chilling out. That has really helped me to be super creative. And this also goes for taking vacations and traveling and going on road trips, taking pictures of the sunset, doing nothing, doing things that are so small or truly just resting as well is super important. And that's what's going to reignite your creativity. So here are some takeaways of ways that you can learn to embrace your creative process in a different way. And the first one is to validate your own creativity and your creative process. So this is all about internal versus external validation. So before you share something, I challenge you next time you share something with someone that you've created, ask yourself what you think of it. And you can even write it down. If you just worked on a painting, you just worked on a song, or you created a video, ask yourself, what do do I like about this? Do I, do I like how I, you know, I did this? Do I think I could do something better? And try not to be so hyper judgmental and hypercritical of your work. Just look at it with kind eyes, but also look at it objectively. And before you share it with anyone else, ask yourself if you even like what you've created before asking someone else's external validation. So being able to validate your own creative, your own creativity and your own um, self-expression through your work. Number two is to take social media breaks, especially if comparison is getting in your head or is getting in your way too much. The times that I've taken social media breaks have always been some of the best moments of inspiration for me. And I cannot stress enough how important it is to take social media breaks, especially if you're a content creator. I think content creators don't get enough grace they don't get enough space to take breaks and I see this all the time you know sometimes I'm watching a YouTube video or whatever I'm watching something and then people will be like in the comments when is your next video out when is this coming out you haven't posted like girl if you don't go read a book (laughs) people do not owe you their creativity you know just Allowing yourself to take social media breaks and taking time away from always being visible, always being online is really healthy for you. And again, this goes back to doing nothing because it's going to help you to come back with fresh eyes and a fresh perspective to what you've created and what you've done. And last but not least is remembering your why. So remembering your why is essential. That's what's going to ground you. That's really what's going to help you to be rooted in your work and remembering your why as a creative is essential that that's the backbone of of what you do and why you do it and even though the way you do something might change over time for example when I first started out creating content I only created mostly infographics like I would create a topic and then I would have a breakdown of the topic using infographics and kind of explain it in a visual way And that's what I did for almost two years straight before I really started to get into videos and having TikTok. And also, if you don't follow us on TikTok, what are you doing? Follow us on TikTok (laughs) and YouTube and all the things. 
But before I started doing videos or before I started the podcast, I really kind of limited myself in how I was expressing my ideas or my concepts or information that I was sharing. And the minute I realized that I don't need to limit myself and I can, I can really just, as long as I'm still sharing from an organic place and I'm sharing because I want to create a safe container for people to learn about mental health, to talk about mental health and to share their own experiences. That's all that matters. So that, that why has always been there. It's always going to be there and it's never going to change. However, the way I might express things or the way I might do things might change. And that's perfectly normal and it's healthy and it's part of the evolution of being a creative person. And I want to leave you with a quote again, because I think naming your inspiration and, and naming people who motivate you or you feel represented by in their creativity is really important. I want to share a quote by the one and only Michaela Cole, who is a dynamic and amazing director, producer, writer, actress. She is a director and writer of I May Destroy You, which is an incredible, incredible TV series on HBO Max. Um, one of my favorite series I've ever watched. And while she was winning her or accepting her, her uh, Golden Globe Award, in her acceptance speech, she wrote or she shared, In a world that entices us to browse through the lives of others to help us better determine how we feel about ourselves and to in turn feel the need to be constantly visible, for visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success. Do not be afraid to disappear. And with that, I just want to remind you as a creative to be gentle with yourself. Embrace the process. Embrace the ugly. Embrace the mess. If you need to kind of have your hermit mode, be in your hermit mode. But come back. Come back out of your hermit mode with something that you're proud of. Whether you're the only person that sees it or whether you decide to share it with the world, that's up to you. But don't be afraid to share your work and produce your work because there was a time where, especially as black people and people of color, we weren't allowed to share our work. We weren't allowed to be in the same rooms and opera houses as our white counterparts. And the fact that we have overcome so much as a people and have been able to creatively express ourselves is huge and I don't take that lightly. I think that my 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 ancestors were extremely creative and I see it every single day. I mean, there's so many examples of the way that the indigenous people of Ghana have created so many beautiful and incredible contributions to our culture. So it's important to share your creativity. I'll also share some of my favorite creative spaces and um, platforms in the show notes. So definitely check those out. Thank you again to Jalo Studios for sharing this topic on creative in integrity on your space. And definitely check out Jalo Studios. Um, again, we'll link them in the show notes. And thank you for being here. Stay soft. To stay connected, join Sadie Baddies on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and more. And sign up for our monthly newsletter on sadiebaddies.com to stay in the loop. Sending you hella love and stay soft, Batty. Thank you.